heaven is beyond all comprehension because the love of God is beyond all comprehension. In today's teaching, we'll be discussing how as Christ's followers, our hope is not found in this world, and so we sacrifice, sweat, and bleed for the world that is to come. What would it look like to be a church that lives life with the end goal in mind? Well, I was uh, in sixth grade when I lost my grandmother to cancer, and she was a fiery lady. She was just a fiery little old lady. And uh, she was under five foot tall, so she, she came up to here, you know, and, and, uh, and, and even in sixth grade, I was taller than her. And she, would, she was the one who could always talk back to my dad, you know what I mean? And so as a sixth grader, I loved that. I loved that there was somebody who was talking smack and talking back to my dad, because Lord knows I couldn't do that, but she could. Um, and she was strong. She was a strong woman. She lost her husband when my dad was 16. He passed away while he was sleeping. And so she basically raised three boys on her own. She was a firecracker, man. And she knew Jesus, and she wasn't afraid to tell you about it. She loved church. She was in, involved in the same church for something like 40-something years, serving and active and always doing stuff for people, always running here, running there. She had a cushion that she had to sit on to drive her car. That's how tiny she was. And she used to run over curbs all the time. These are things I remember of my grandma. But of all the things that I remember, I remember one thing most. I remember when she got the diagnosis of cancer, that she only had you know, a very short amount of time to live. And this was, this was the first person that I knew personally who was inevitably going to pass you know, on because of this disease. And I remember as she, you know, she slowly and slowly and slowly kind of eroded and deteriorated. I, I remember her being in hospice. And I, I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was very interesting. I, isn't that interesting how, how like you can remember the songs and the smells and the sights of that day? I remember everything. I remember we pulled up this hospice and, and where they were caring for my grandmother. And it was really interesting because, uh, you know, you walk into this room and, and there's my grandmother and she is slowly passing away. And there's my mom, and there's my dad, and my uncles, my aunts. And they're all holding hands, singing around my grandmother as she's, as she's dying. She had asked for this to happen. She, my grandma, she, she loved hymns, and, and she loved some songs that didn't make it into hymn books, right? Some, some maybe some old, old classics. One of the songs, uh, you know, written by, I mean, if we were... Be honest, written by hillbillies. That's kind of where it is. She loved those types of tunes. They didn't make it into your modern hymnal, but they were hymns nonetheless. And I'll never forget this one song. And she had asked for them to sing it as she was passing away. And you might know it. You probably don't. If you're under the age of 30, you definitely don't. But it goes like this. <clears throat> it goes, this world is not my home. You know the song? I'm just a passing through. Heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And I remember my mom and my dad singing that song as my grandmother died. I didn't realize it at the time. But now looking back on that experience, I, I recognize just how unique and special that was. See, for a lot of us, there's so much intrepidation and fear about the moment of death. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. 
For my grandmother, it was quite the opposite. See, for those of us who know Jesus Christ, for those of us who who have placed our, our hope in the Lord, we realize that this home, where we currently are, is not actually our home. The place where we currently are is not our final destination. And as I watched my grandmother slip away into eternity, there was not a doubt in her her mind that she was entering into heaven to meet Jesus Christ. It's interesting. You you hear so many sermons today about purpose, identity, and hope, and, you know, all these types of things, seven ways to make your marriage better, and ten ways to get Jesus' attention, whatever it might be. I think it is interesting. Of all the sermons, of all the churches that I hear and listen to, I rarely hear a sermon on heaven. I find that interesting, don't you? Scripture talks about heaven everywhere. Where Revelation 4, it says heaven's a place where we worship God for who he is constantly. 2 Samuel 12 says that heaven is a place where we will be reunited with loved ones. 1 Thessalonians 4 says that it is a place of God's dwelling. He is there day and night. Psalm 73 says that we will be there with God and dwell with God. In Matthew chapter 6, it says that we're encouraged to lay up our treasures in heaven because that's where we amass true wealth. In Revelation 2, we're comforted by the fact that there will be a day, there will be a time called heaven where pain will be no more, where death will be, will be no more, where there will be no more sickness and separation, where Christ will wipe away every tear from your eye. That's heaven. So my question is, as followers of Jesus Christ, why don't we talk about heaven more? Why don't we have more books on heaven unless it's written from a young boy who apparently went there for 10 minutes? Like, why? Apart from that, are we not talking about heaven? As followers of Jesus, as his church, why are we not longing for the day of his return? It's a fair question. You say, well, what is heaven like? I don't know. We're only told what scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, What has never come into a man's heart is what God has prepared for those who loved him. I don't know exactly what heaven is like, but I can tell you this. It is beyond our comprehension. That's what heaven is like. In fact, heaven would hardly be heaven if we could define it. The scripture clearly says, like, we've never heard the things that are in heaven. We've never seen the things that are in heaven. We can't even comprehend. You say, Travis, how is that true? I'll tell you. I'll tell you how it's true, because we serve an infinite God, a beautiful, creative, wonderful God who created all that we know to be in under a week. And yet over 2,000 years ago, tells his disciples, hey, I got to bounce, guys. I'm going to go make heaven and I'll come back and get you when it's done. And he still has not returned. So he created everything that we know to be in six days and he's still working on heaven. I want to see that place. I mean, just selfishly, I want to see that place. I want to be a part of that. I I long to go there. I want to be there. But the question has to become, why is it that we don't think about it more often? I think there's a couple reasons. If you take a notes, maybe write a couple of these down. Number one, why don't we think about more heaven more often? Three reasons. Number one, I think that thinking about heaven reminds us that things of this world are temporary. I don't like that thought. 
I don't like to think that the stuff I have, the stuff I've worked for, the stuff I've slaved for, the relationships that I've built, that they are temporary, potentially temporary. And thinking about heaven reminds me that everything in this world is just that, of this world, and temporary. I think the second reason that we don't really think about heaven that often is that thinking about heaven reminds us that we are going to, at some point or another, die. We don't like to think about that. We don't like to talk about that. Not necessarily. And if you do, then maybe we should sit down and have a chat, (laughs) a counseling, because that's not healthy. We don't like to think about the day that we're going to die. We don't like to think about our loved ones passing away. I don't like to think about my mom and my dad and my brother. I don't like to think about them dying. But it is inevitable, right? I mean, the last time we checked statistically, that is an inevitability, that all of us will pass away. And yet, not talking about heaven helps keep that at bay. But I think the real reason is number three. Number three, why we don't think or talk about heaven that often is because I think that thinking about heaven aligns our current mission. Or maybe a better way to say it is that thinking about heaven demands alignment in our current mission. You may say, what are you talking about? Well, it's very simple. The moment that you come to Jesus, and I want to talk at you for a minute. Listen now. The moment that you come to Jesus, the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus, okay, you're now on mission. I know that you might think of a missionary as somebody who only goes to Uganda or the Middle East or China and does these things or, or, or you know, Canada. I don't know, wherever they're called to, to slave for Christ, right? But the fact of the matter is, the moment that you accept Jesus You are now called to the mission field. You are on mission. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says, go, therefore. Let me hear you say go. Go. In fact, a better understanding, a Greek translation for that word would mean as you are going. As you are going, while you are going, wherever you go, whatever you do, make disciples. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Tell all the world about me. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to know all the things that I've taught you. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. See, the call doesn't say, if you're a pastor, go. It doesn't say, if you're a missionary, go. It doesn't say, if you're an extrovert, go. No, the call is to every single one of us who call Jesus Christ our Lord. We are called to go as you go, where you go, when you go, everywhere. Make disciples for the cause of Christ, period. And understanding that heaven is our home realigns us with the mission that God has called each and every one of us to. And we don't like that. But the fact of the matter is, point number one, the truth is, heaven is our real home. Heaven is our real home. I love how Paul says it in Philippians chapter 3. He says, and read this with me now, the first three words in chapter 3, verse 20. He says, but our, what's that word? Man, if I'm going to preach it, you better preach back. Come on. It says, but our, but our citizenship. That's a big word. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Praise God. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The word citizenship here is actually the word for homeland. Think about that. This place isn't our home. Our homeland is heaven. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, your home is heaven. How are we not getting unglued right now? This world is not our home. For all of you that turned on the news this morning and felt a little bad about what's happening, this world is not your home. For those of you listening by podcast tied down to a bed because you can't stand up, this world is not your home. For all of you who have lost people to drugs, for all of you who are wrestling with addiction, for all of you who have family separated from me because of what craziness has happened, this world is not your home. If this world is not your home, why are you acting like it is? Why are you living like this place is your hope? Why are you trying to pull hope from hopelessness? Why are you trying to put it together from brokenness? That's ridiculous. And Paul reminds us, this isn't your home. This is, you're passing through, man. Your homeland is, is there. In fact, I would tell you this, you are created for there, not for here. The reason this place feels kind of like that seventh grade sweater your grandma got you, you don't know what I'm talking about, right? You ever get those Christmas gifts, by the way? Don't be that grandparent. Don't be that grandparent. Get them toys. Don't get them clothes. Just don't be that grandparent. You always you get that, sweat, that sweater, it's just so fuzzy, and you're like, this itches, right? And your mom's like, you got to wear it for the whole time they're here, because we don't know how much longer grandma's going to be around, you know? It's itchy. That's how this world feels. Just something not right. Just something not right. It's itchy. It just doesn't fit well. It doesn't go well. I don't like it. There's something in the pit of my stomach that just says, this is not how things were meant to be. And that's because we weren't created for here. We're created for there. This word citizenship, it actually means homeland. It's used to describe a, a colony of foreigners who are residing in a foreign land. Now, I'm not just talking about America. I'm talking about this world. I'm talking about everything that we know to be. So we reside and we're, 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 we're foreigners who reside in a foreign country and our citizenship and our allegiance is elsewhere. So although we live here, we don't belong here. I know there's all this talk about immigration right now. We're all immigrants. <laughs> We're all spiritual immigrants. I don't belong here. I wasn't made for here. That sums up the conversation for me. Not only that, but this should also remind us of where our true allegiance lies. And I should relay a mission. It should relay a mission to us. Because here's the fact of the matter. Not only are we missionaries, but you are an ambassador for Christ. You are called to be a diplomatic ambassador. Ambassador. Do you view yourself as a diplomatic ambassador or a permanent resident? You know, permanent residents, they start to make some differences. or They, make some, they start to make some changes. You ever have somebody rent a house versus buy a house? You ever go into a hotel versus buying a house? How you treat the hotel is different than you treat your own house, right? You don't walk into a hotel and you're staying there for two nights thinking, oh, I think I'm going to change the paint on this wall. I think I'm going to get the curtains a little bit here. I don't really like this bed. I think I'm going to move it. No, you don't care. Why? Because that's not your home. You're not, try you're not busy about getting the paint right. You're not trying to fix around and get the feng shui. You don't care. You're not there very long. Let me ask you a question, Christian. If that is the case with the hotel room, why are you so busy trying to align and get everything straight in your life when this place is not your home? Why do we sacrifice what we get there for here? We'll sacrifice our walk with Christ. We'll sacrifice our children's futures just so that we can align some furniture in this world. Stop. It makes no sense. This world is not your home. 
Stop being brokenhearted over the depravity here that's happening and affecting your life. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. You are an ambassador on a supernatural mission from God, sent to this earth, empowered, brought back from the grave to lead others to Jesus Christ. That's how you should view yourself. That's a lot more dope view of yourself anyway, by the way. I don't know if you realize that or not. Number two, if number one is heaven is not our real, if heaven is our real home, number two is this. Heaven's not here. <laughs> There's a lot of this theology going around like heaven is here. Heaven on earth. I hope not. I sure hope not. I hope this is not heaven because it seems a lot more like hell to me. The fact of the matter is, this is not heaven. Scripture speaks of a place where angels surround the throne of God, who look a lot more like dragons than angels to me, who speak the name of God, who say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. It speaks of this throne room where there's thunder and peals of lightning surrounded by a sea of glass, where these elders fall and throw their crowns before the, before the Lord God, where those who have been martyred for the cause of Christ, they are worshiping him in white robes, and all the people who have ever known Jesus, who have ever been created till now, we all gather and we lay down and we bow down and we get on our knees before the throne and we enter into heaven. That's heaven. That's a picture of heaven. My mind can't even grasp that. It talks about a place where the streets are made of gold. A place where there will be no more pain, no more loss, no more hurt, no more night, no more dark. Let me just reiterate, this is not heaven. Heaven is not here. Hebrews 13 says, for we, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. I want to read you this passage in Colossians chapter 3, and I want to let it minister to you. I pray that it ministers to you the way that it ministers to me. It is very powerful, and I want to read it first in the ESV. That's what I preach out of, the English Standard Version. And then also, you know, one of the, one of the passages or translations, rather, paraphrases that I love to read out of just personally is the message. I really enjoy it uh, as I'm just driving down the road. It's, it's easy to listen, right? Um, so I'm going to read out of that as well. But, but here in Colossians 3, it says this. This verse will go hard if you let it, just so you know. It really will. If then you have been raised with Christ, pause. Who is this verse? Let's, let's set this right. Who is this verse speaking to? Christians. He's speaking to his church. So he's speaking to us. He's speaking to you. You are not excluded from this. Okay, like, well, that's for us. No, that's for you. And it's for me. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Let's talk about heaven. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let's talk about heaven. Set your minds on the things that are above. Let's talk about heaven. Not on the things that are on earth, for you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Take a minute. Look at this verse. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. I love how the message says it. It says it like this. Listen. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, then act like it. 
Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, for those of us, it's really interesting. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, what gives us the right to call ourselves that? When we don't think about heaven. What gives us the right to call ourselves followers of Christ when we don't tell others about heaven? What gives us the right, the audacity, to say that we are followers of Jesus if we don't live from a heavenly perspective? Why? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian. On what basis? Well, I, I prayed a prayer one time at a church thing. I really felt something at a conference I went to or a worship thing. And you know, I just... Here, since you've been raised with Christ, if you've been raised, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not here on this earth. Stop being consumed with all the things around you and look up. Live from that heavenly perspective. Man, if you're not living for future glory now, what makes you think you will live in glory in the future? You know what heaven is? It is a place where God is seated at the center where we will worship him day after day. And for some of us, we're like, amen. For, but, 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 but on the same hand, you didn't even sing for 20 minutes about God in a church service. What's going to change? All of a sudden, we're like, well, I don't like to worship now, but someday in eternity, I'll love it. I'm going to live for myself now, but then it's all going to be about God. What? You don't get to heaven just because you don't want to go to hell. Did you hear what I said? You don't get to go to heaven just because you don't want to go to hell. Heaven is not like hell alternative. It's not like Diet Coke. It's just not whatsoever. Well, I can't drink Coke, clearly, so I'll drink a Diet Coke. It's not that. Heaven is about the same thing that everything's about, Jesus. And if you're not about Jesus, then why would you be about Jesus there? In fact, if you're not about Jesus now, why would you stand in front of Jesus and expect Jesus to know who you are? This world's not our home. Heaven is not here. Heaven is also my hope. Philippians 3.20, once again, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. I love that. Let me say it again. From it we await a Savior, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Hope from a biblical perspective is not something that we are just like, eh, is it going to happen? Is it maybe going to happen? No, hope is something that we are solidified in. It's not something that we dream about, might, might or could happen, but hope is something fixed, something that is certain for which we are waiting. We are waiting for the day of Christ's return. The problem is most of us aren't. We're not. In fact, if we're honest, 
We're kind of cool with Jesus holding back, returning for a little bit, because we got some stuff we want to do. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like, Jesus, I want you to return, but man, I really want to see our, I really want to see the Browns win a game. Okay, I get that one. I get that one. But I don't even know if eternity is long enough for that. Okay. God, I really, I want you to send Christ to return to draw us up to heaven, but man, I'm so close to getting the house that I want. I'm so close to seeing my kids grow up. I'm so close to marrying off my son. I'm so close. Do you see what I'm saying? So we don't even grasp the weight of this at all. Why are we not longing with every fiber in us for the return of Christ? Scripture says that we're to be looking and waiting and watching and praying for the return. When is the last time you got in your car and looked up and looked into the sky and said, God, send Jesus today. Jesus, are you coming back today? Come back today. Return for us. Take us home today. Return for us. Take us to heaven today. See, heaven is truly not the hope of most people in this world today. It's not. We open the things around us, which is why when the things around us go to dirt, we're shell-shocked. We're broken. See, if heaven is your fix, it's fixed fixed uh, 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 direction, if heaven is the place that you are going to and you know that your hope is fixed there, what can this world do to you? No, I mean, seriously, seriously. What can this world do to you? I get it. It's rough. I get it. It can be tough. But heaven's your hope. What's even funnier about that, it's not funny, but it is in like a horrible way. You know what I mean? You know when something's funny, but in an awful way? This is funny in a really bad way. It's funny when I hear like Americans say they're like suffering for Jesus, like in any way, shape, or form. And before you let that little piece jump up in you and be like, no, I've been bullied for Jesus. No, stop it. Stop it. Stop. Well, no, you don't understand. I didn't get invited to that party because somebody heard I was Christian. Okay. Let's see, part of the issue with, 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 with us, with me, is that we just got it so good. You know, you know, you know it's like hearing, talking to my grandparents and they tell me stories about what it was like to grow up in you know, the 30s in, in the middle of West Virginia. Now they didn't have water and stuff like that. I just can't even fathom that. You know? So now sometimes I'll go in their house and I'll just go to the, to the spigot and I'll like turn it on and grab, and then my grandpa will be like, there was a day and a time when I had to walk. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? I take for granted what they would have died for. Around the world, you know, I was just reading this last week about the shooting spree that was happening in the Middle East where over 100 Christians were, were murdered. You see that? They're targeted and, and murdered. Many of the men were brought outside um, in front of their family and, and beheaded with knives and swords in front of their children. Now you're like, that seems extreme. No, actually, it's not. This year, we're on pace to have more people killed for the cause of Christ than any other year around the world. China, Middle East, Europe. It's just off our radar. I bet heaven is their hope in a way that it's not ours. Now, 
I'm not saying that I would wish that on us. Not at all. What I am saying is, in light of the freedom that we've been given, how can we not be making disciples? How can we not be telling our children about Jesus? How can we not be sharing the hope of heaven with every single person that we come across? The greatest persecution we will endure as Americans to date is somebody turning down our invitation to church. We have the greatest opportunity that's ever been given to anybody, ever. Freedom to talk about Jesus. And if we are not careful, because of our addiction to comfort, we will lose that. We will lose that. Heaven is our hope. Heaven is not here. Heaven is our real home. I want to encourage you, for those of you this morning, we're going to close with this. For those of you this morning who are wrestling with anxiety and stress, maybe failure, maybe physical health failure, maybe financial failure, marital failure, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're estranged from family members, I don't know. Wherever it is that there's brokenness or hurt right now, I want you to begin viewing your life through the perspective of heaven. It's funny, if, if, if I, I, I saw a pastor do this once, it was a great illustration. He had a rope that stretched across the whole stage and out into the hallway, and he had a little piece of tape on the end of the rope. And he said, this is all of eternity, and yet we try to squeeze every single ounce of it into this little piece right here. Are you living for here or are you living for there? Don't put so much energy into here. Put it into there. That is your home. If we could just buy into that, if we could just truly live for future glory, do you know the difference that we could make in our generation? Do you know the impact we could make in our community? If we didn't live for here, if we didn't take jobs based on the amount of money, but we took jobs based on the calling in our lives. If we didn't decide on this type of thing, on how our social status, but, but chose, is this gonna give me a greater impact for the gospel? If we didn't choose homes just on the size of them or where they're strategically located in a neighborhood, but we actually chose them based on the lostness in the community. Can you imagine what could happen if we, lived, if we began living with heaven as our perspective, with the end goal in mind? It would change everything. It's what gave Jesus the ability to say, be anxious about nothing. What does it matter? Your father owns everything anyway. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about anything. Your home is not here. Your home is in heaven. Don't worry. Don't stress. Relax. Your God's got this. And someday you're going to die. And you're going to spend eternity with him there. It's crazy to think that there will come a day 10 billion years down the road. We look back on this world and this life and we say, did that happen? Because there is going to seem more real than here. Currently we stand on the edge of this feeling more real than there. But I beg of you to begin living in reverse. To begin living with a heavenly perspective. 
Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.